All right, as we head into warmer weather across much of the U.S. in the coming months, one way to stay cool and continue to get a good night's sleep is by checking out Bull and Branch Bedding and Sheets. They're a brand that we love here at Mo News. We only endorse products that we love. And we've been using Bull and Branch for more than two years now in our home. The sheets have been great, soft, breathable fabric that works for both cold and warm weather. We noticed the quality immediately and have gotten a few different sets in our house. I know Jill has as well. They're made with 100% organic cotton, completely free from toxins. I know that is very important to a number of you. And it's not just sheets. They have blankets, duvets, pillows, a whole variety of products to ensure you get a good night's sleep. And right now, they have a great deal for the Mo News community. Go check them out. I promise you will not be disappointed. Again, they get softer with every wash. So the deal right now is 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONEWS over at bullandbranch.com. That is bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code MONEWS for 15% off. Exclusions do apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. It is Thursday, November 3rd. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts from verified sources and a breakdown of what matters in the news. We read all the news, or at least we try to, and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill, I see a new backdrop behind you right now. (laughs) Yes, uh, because nothing ever runs smoothly. My internet has been just on and off, and so I had to run uh, down the street to my brother and sister-in-law's house, and uh, that is where I am recording today's podcast from. Yeah, Jill's internet the last couple nights. We've overcome, (laughs) thankfully, uh, due to our editors, Jeff and Jessica, but you were basically on the moon given I, the internet speed the last couple of days. It was the most frustrated that I'd ever seen you get with me. I feel like you actually were like, like I, I got did, a glimpse of Mo. It wasn't your fault. It got, wasn't your fault. I feel but. like I, I glanced into what your future parenting life might look like or, or potentially where you were just like, Jill. <laughs> and I'm like, I know. Wait, I, I don't know what to tell you. I know. I, are you telling me at some point I'm going to be frustrated as a parent? The kids don't just listen to everything I'll say? Yep. Uh, get ready. Okay. Um, by the way, I am so excited for today's podcast. I feel like we have such good stuff, such good talk about and, and talkers. I can't wait just to get feedback and, and see what everyone thinks. All right. I can't wait. Let's get started. Okay. Here is what we are working on today. President Biden has a new warning about democracy. Our car price is finally starting to come down. The Wall Street Journal ignites a debate over whether to use a top sheet or not. Most your Instagram has been lighting up about this. And gobble, gobble. Thanksgiving staples could be in jeopardy this year. Moshe, I know that's not the news we want to hear right before Thanksgiving. No, not at all, especially as people are already dealing with very high prices. Okay, Moshe, we're T-minus five days from the midterm elections. And on Wednesday night, President Biden delivered a warning that American democracy is under assault from election deniers who are running for office at all levels. He is making defending democracy a top issue in next week's midterm elections. Biden said the intimidation against Democrats, Republicans and nonpartisan officials just doing their jobs is the consequence of lies. He added that in this moment, we have to confront those lies with the truth the very future of our nation depends on it. Yeah, it's notable, Jill. He gave the speech on Wednesday night, just a couple blocks from the U.S. Capitol in Washington, also in the shadow of that attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband over the weekend. Uh, he said he was worried about the candidates running for every level of office in America, governor, Congress, attorney general, secretaries of state who won't commit 
uh, to accepting the results of the last election, nor the results of this election should they lose. He called it a path to chaos in America, un-American. Uh, it's interesting here, uh, you know, Biden is also uh, really talking about this issue as Republicans hit him hard on the economy. He can use to make democracy a big issue. By the way, he also reminded everyone that in some cases we won't know the winner on election night. It might take a few days. It takes time to count all legitimate ballots. So it's interesting to see that this is the messaging just a few days before election in an, an election that effectively recently, uh, especially, has been dominated by inflation, prices, gas, etc. And Moshe comes as a bunch of new polls are out showing that Republicans are taking the lead in key House and Senate races, looking more likely that they'll take at least one chamber of Congress, if not both. They're pushing a message on the economy and inflation, and it has been pretty effective for his part. President Biden hitting the campaign trail. He's going to be in New Mexico today, California on Friday and Pennsylvania on Saturday. In Florida earlier this week, he called Republican Governor Ron DeSantis a Donald Trump incarnate. And he also made quite a few gaffes, which got the attention of not just the usual right wing media, Newsweek, The New York Times, also calling him out. Some of his mistakes, he said his son, Bo, died in Iraq. He mistook Iraq for Ukraine at one point. He said the U.S. had one of the lowest inflation rates in the world. And he also misstated what FEMA stands for. Inflation is a worldwide problem right now because of a war in Iraq and the impact on oil and what Russia's doing. I mean, excuse me, the war in, in Ukraine. And uh, I think in Iraq because that's where my son died. Yeah, it's pretty rough video. I posted a few clips on Instagram. Uh, some of these slip-ups actually happening within mere seconds of one another. He caught himself on a few of these things. By the way, on that Bo Biden thing, uh, Jill, Bo died due to what they believe was some of the burn pits in Iraq. Either way, not very precise with his language. Uh, and that comes on top of the fact that Biden is not very popular right now. He hasn't been invited to many places. Uh, he's gotten pretty bad on the stump. Uh, someone actually joked on Twitter that for decades, uh, most of the speeches Biden gave was to an empty U.S. Senate chamber when he gave those speeches in Congress. So he didn't have to convince anybody. And But there was a time not so long ago, I remember this, having covered him in Washington when he was vice president, when, you know, he could still give a pretty good speech on a campaign trail uh, between his unpopularity and just kind of these constant mistakes he's making. Hasn't been invited everywhere. Obama, the former president, one of the more popular surrogates this fall. He was out in Florida, Georgia, Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin, several of those states Biden has not been invited to. Obama was doing the more traditional arena rallies. Uh, Trump has also been out there. I should note the Wall Street Journal has made note that one place that neither Biden nor Trump have been invited to is Georgia. A couple tight races there where actually the candidates in those states believe that both of those guys could do more harm than good to them. That's really interesting. And considering, Mosh, that we could be doing a, a Trump v. Biden race in two years from now, <laughs> that just tells you, you know, that may, perhaps a lot of Americans are not going to be uh, very happy with the candidates for either party. Yeah. And by the way, Joe, you say two years from now because that's 2024. But I will say that there's an AP story out um, on Wednesday that talked to a number of top Trump advisors who believe he might declare his intention to run in November, just after midterms. Uh, so this election is going to not just be two years from now, it'll be a two-year election. And uh, we'll be looking at Biden, who's about to turn 80 later this month, uh, Trump, who's 76 going on 77, I think. And so ultimately, it'll be interesting to watch how the parties deal with both of these guys, uh, who both will have to announce their intention to run in the next six months. 
All right. We mentioned inflation, a really big issue for a lot of Americans. And in another sign that inflation is nowhere under control, the Federal Reserve, as expected, continued to raise interest rates at its last meeting once again by 0.75%. It is the fourth consecutive three-quarter point interest rate increase and sixth straight increase overall. The target rate range now 375 to 4%. That's the highest level since January of 2008. And it's not that interest rates have never been this high because they have. They just haven't increased so quickly. The Fed also saying that rate hikes will continue but did hint a bit that perhaps they won't be quite as steep in the future. We've been talking a lot about a quote-unquote soft landing. Even Jerome Powell saying this week that a soft landing is just not easy. So markets initially rose. Then as Powell kept talking, markets got lower. The Dow finished 500 points lower on Wednesday. Yeah, Jerome Powell is the uh, Fed chair. He has the uh, unfortunate role at every one of these meetings to uh, address uh, what they're doing, what their strategy is, as they face this sort of impossible task of this soft landing, uh, which is essentially a definition of soft landing, bringing down inflation without pushing us into a recession. Most experts are pretty skeptical, so buckle up for a more hard landing, according to the major banks, major companies who are all preparing for a recession next year. Powell repeated the idea that the time may come soon to slow the pace of the rate increases. Uh, by the way, their next meeting is just before Christmas. They have another meeting in late January, so maybe they'll slow it by then. Uh, they were behind the eight ball here, according to many experts, not addressing inflation seriously enough. And now there's a feeling that they're being too aggressive trying to bring down inflation with these constant rate increases. And there's a lot of downside here. You mentioned, Jill, the, the official Fed rate is between 3.75 and 4%. To translate that for folks, you don't see that rate in many places, but that rate impacts other rates. So higher mortgage rates, which have already surpassed 7%, credit card interest rates, which are sky high, new auto loans, uh, some student loans. Uh, the only positive side to this is that uh, you're going to see uh, savings rates higher. So if you're a saver, uh, definitely shop around right now. There are actually some credit unions and some smaller banks that are offering a higher savings rate. So that is the one, I guess, one of the good parts to higher interest rates. Uh, people are seeing the best yields there since 2008. And the housing market remains an issue, which means rates are going to keep going higher. It's just going to be more expensive for people to get mortgages. Uh, they're not going to they're going to get a lot less for their money. We're seeing a lot of layoffs in the industry, mortgage brokers, even people also not selling. Um, so th there's that issue. There's still this issue of, of just not enough demand. Builders not building right now. So effectively, th the housing market's frozen in some areas. Yeah, it's, it's been rough hearing from uh, some folks in the real estate industry um, on Instagram who obviously saw this huge boon during COVID. Uh, the prices have started to come down on homes, Jill, but ultimately you have this issue because we still don't have enough inventory out there. And there's a lot of people who might have been prone to sell or upgrade their homes that are not doing so because they got those amazing rates in the past few years of like 2%. And they're like, what, I'm going to trade that for 7 or 8% right now? That you know, I'm, I'm going to stay put right now in, in the home I'm in. All right, switching gears, North Korea is being North Korea, unleashing its biggest one-day missile barrage, launching 23 missiles, including one that landed just 16 miles from South Korea's border at sea. It was the first time a ballistic missile had landed near the South's waters since the peninsula was divided in 1945. That, according to Fox News, South Korea issued rare air raid warnings and launched its own missiles in response 
And that is not all North Korea has been up to. U.S. officials say North Korea has been secretly supplying Russia with, quote, a significant number of artillery shells to support its war in Ukraine. North Korea apparently trying to make it appear as though they're being sent to countries in the Middle East or North Africa. Yeah, apparently uh, Kim Jong-un is not able to not re- not able to hide what he's doing. Um, Jill, I would say it's not even North Korea being North Korea. This is like peak North Korea. This is like peak <laughs> Kim Jong-un right now. Um, experts are curious as to whether it's always hard to read uh, what's happening there. You know, they, it has the nickname the Hermit Kingdom because it just it is impossible to know. I mean, keep in mind, Kim Jong-un inherited the country from his father who inherited it from his father. Um, it's a very close circle. He often kills family members who he questions their loyalty. So is this a prelude to a nuclear test? Is this because he wasn't getting enough attention because there was that stampede in South Korea? Is this because that official reason, those military exercises, that by the way, the U.S. and South Korea often hold military exercises, defensive military exercises. The U.S. likes to remind Kim they have no plans to invade his country. Uh, I, I did like this analysis. Uh, let me know, Jill, if you've ever heard this expression before. There's a, a senior consultant over at the International Crisis Group named Christopher Green. He was quoted in one story. Uh, he was asked, effectively, what do you think Kim Jong-un is doing here? And he says, uh, as Kim's repeated weapons tests make less of a splash internationally, Kim is, quote, salami slicing the escalation ladder, <laughs> searching for new ways to grab the world's attention. I've never heard that, but it's... I, I like it. I mean, I have a, I, I, all I'm thinking of is a, a big slab of salami, which sounds really disgusting. <laughs> the image there, so I'm thinking salami slicer, then I'm thinking about a ladder. It's an escalation ladder, not like a literal wooden ladder, but like, I'm like thinking about a butcher shop, putting a ladder through. Anyway, needless to say, this is apparently what Kim Jong-un is up to, according <laughs> Thank to this you, expert. Thank you, Christopher Green, for that image. But, we appreciate but it. But what is concerning, though, in all seriousness here, is that Kim Jong-un is like launching these missiles and he like launched a couple over Japan recently. And Japan's like, yo, you just launched some missiles over our island and some of your stuff is not that accurate. You might kill somebody, even though you're trying to show your strength. So what do you do there? Because then ultimately, a, does a war start? Does a war not start? He has nuclear weapons. He's completely unpredictable. So what's concerning here is that like 16 miles from shore, you know, it's a highly populated peninsula. You know, the Koreas are not that big. So that missile goes in the wrong direction. You could cause an issue. And then ultimately, what's the test here? Uh, the only country in the world, by the way, that can sort of control Kim Jong-un, China, which we have our own issues with right now. All right, Jill, let's get to our speed read where we try to get to a number of stories before people start their Thursdays. This first story comes to us from the Wall Street Journal. New car prices are starting to cool after years of soaring to new records. The journal reports that inventory levels are gradually coming back for cars. You know, if anyone was trying to shop for a car the last two years, you might have seen empty dealer lots. Well, gradually cars are getting on the lots. It's given shoppers more options who are browsing showrooms right now. And so some discounting has crept back into the market, at least in a limited fashion. The average price paid for a new vehicle hit a record of just over $46,000 back in July. The price now in October for consumers is forty-five-six. You know, uh, so slight, a slight downturn there, <laughs> a couple hundred dollars of savings. Uh, the Journal made a big deal out of this. Uh, we should note, by the way, that the price of a car is still 33% higher than pre-pandemic. From Eater.com, your holiday dinner is in trouble. Turkey, crab, and even butter are facing shortages and price hikes. 
So let's start with Turkey. Not only is there the issue of cost, but a particularly bad strain of avian flu is also a really big problem for the country's turkey farms. More than 6 million turkeys have died from the disease in 2022 alone. Sandwich shops and delis apparently already feeling the strain. Okay, now on to crabs. Crabs will also be harder to find, at least some types of crabs. Although, is that a huge holiday thing? I don't know. I was going to just ask you, Jill, do you do crab for, I mean, is that a certain regional thing? Crab for, for turkey day? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but butter, that is a problem that there's going to be yeah. a shortage of butter. Apparently the country's supply has been impacted by a number of factors from the war in Ukraine to milk prices to rising labor costs for milk producers. The USDA says they do not expect a full-blown shortage, but they're asking that people do not panic buy. So only buy enough butter that you actually need. Don't buy, uh, don't buy too much because that would create some shortages. It's really incredible. I, I'm trying to think about, is there a food in the last two and a half years that we have not seen some sort of shortage? Um, and and I thankfully, I, mm. I don't think panic buying has been a thing since those early stages of COVID where it was scary to see those empty shelves in grocery stores. But this is concerning as people face you know, high prices that the traditional big turkey meal is getting increasingly expensive for folks. So people will have to you know, cut back. I'm not a big turkey guy myself, uh, Jill. My, and neither was my dad. My mom would have to make like a Cornish hen or chicken for our Thanksgiving growing up. <laughs> but you still want it for Thanksgiving. You know, you yeah. still want it or you want to know that you have the option to have turkey for Thanksgiving. A thousand percent. From NPR, CVS and Walgreens announced opioid settlements totaling $10 billion. Together, the developments amount to what could be the last round of huge settlements after years of litigation over the drug industry's role in an overdose crisis that's been linked to more than 500,000 deaths in the U.S. over the past two decades. Now, most of the money would be used to fight the opioid crisis by expanding treatment and supporting programs for people with addiction, along with providing overdose antidotes and launching prevention efforts. The money is mostly going to go directly to local governments, and some will go to Native American tribes. Yeah, and, and they're not alone here, Jill. Uh, Walmart has agreed to pay $3 billion. Uh, this has really been a, a decade-long effort to hold those accountable for our opioid epidemic in this country. And by the way, it's so significant that actually the the average age of death in this country has lowered because of the number of young people who've died from this epidemic. And so they've been trying to hold big pharma uh, accountable and they're trying to hold the um, you know pharmacies themselves accountable. All right, Jill, this next story comes to us from USA Today. Two new hurricanes have formed in the Atlantic this week. It's a rare November uptick in storm activity. This has really been a bizarre hurricane season quiet. And then, of course, there was Hurricane Ian, uh, which was a record in many cases. The hurricane season ends officially the end of this month, November 30th. Simultaneous November hurricanes have not occurred often. This is only the third time on record that there have been two November hurricanes simultaneously in the Atlantic. The previous years were back in 1932 and then 2001. The National Hurricane Center is also watching another system that could form late this weekend. Now, those two hurricanes don't threaten the U.S. Hurricane Lisa made landfall in Belize Wednesday as a Category 1 hurricane, and Hurricane Martin's in Central Atlantic, and it's headed north. It's headed in the direction of Iceland, but it's expected to weaken. I, I mean, does Iceland get hurricanes? <laughs> I feel like that's preposterous. Not typically. They're usually like, you know, like eventually they'll, you know, finish 
going up the Atlantic and then into like Europe uh, at some points. Though we have seen in recent years, Jill, some of these storms, because the ocean is warmer at times than typical, some of these storms, like I, I think there was a storm in the last couple of years that really like slammed Ireland and England pretty hard that had come from the tropics and made its way, you know, past the Atlantic, et cetera. So yeah, I, I, I don't see any sign that uh, Iceland should be worried, but I was looking at the uh, track of it and I was like, Oh, sort of headed towards Iceland. We'll see. We'll see what's left of it by then. <laughs> All right. From Yahoo finance, people Googled excuses to skip work over 2 million times this year amid return to office mandates. That is a nearly 1900% increase from 2020. There were roughly 112,000 of those searches in 2020. So some of the top search terms in 2022 were calling in sick and best excuses to miss work. Do people really need to Google excuses? Don't you? Like, I have at the ready a bunch of excuses that I could yeah. potentially use. <laughs> Kids not feeling well. Um, anyway. Yeah, you know, I, like, I, Jill, Jill, <laughs> I actually just Googled best excuses to skip work because I was like, I wonder what comes up for people. Okay, number one, car accident. Number two, death of a loved one. Number three, personal illness. Number four, child's illness. Five, emergency. Six, car problems. Then followed by medical appointments. So, but first of all, I think you're playing with bad karma with the whole death of a loved one and child's illness. Mosh, I totally agree. As you were reading that list, I was thinking the same thing that I would feel really nervous even in saying it like I was just inviting bad luck or bad karma. Totally. It's, it's interesting that people have to Google this. Uh, you know, some people were saying like, well, you know, like, why are you comparing it to 2020? By the way, we looked at the numbers back in 2019. It's still an increase from 2019 from pre-pandemic uh, excuses. So I guess, you know, I don't know. We were talking yesterday on the podcast, which if people didn't listen to, we talked all about like the productivity issues we're seeing. So this sort of correlates pretty nicely with that, the quiet quitting phenomenon, et cetera. People are kind of like, yeah, I'm not really in the mood to work. You know, like, let me see if there's a new one out there that's someone that's working for somebody. But it's like, okay, I just, I don't understand this idea of having to Google excuses. Don't you have excuses that you could potentially use that are very specific to you, right? The other ones are so generic. It's like the same, like my dog ate my homework type of thing. I, I do feel like maybe it's a sign, Jill, that people are calling out sick so much that they're like, man, I already used but half my family's dead, according to my boss. Like, I need, to, I need to come up with something new. It's like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Totally. Classic. Classic movie, everybody. All right. This next story is heating up my Instagram right now. It comes to us from the Wall Street Journal, and I have lots of thoughts on this, Jill. It is a debate over the top sheet and a generational debate at that. So the top sheet has been a fixture of American betting for decades, and it appears that the lines are now drawn generationally. Gen X and boomers pro top sheet, millennials and Gen Z kicking off the top sheet. To its fans, the top sheet is an essential part of a made bed, a crisp, clean buffer between the body and the blanket, <laughs> according to the journal. I love the way they wrote this. To its detractors, that same top sheet is a superfluous distraction that is a pain to arrange in the morning and annoyingly bunches around one's feet at night. Team top sheet argues that it's more hygienic, more proper, just more correct to use one. Team no top sheet responds that it's just more efficient to skip it. If you change your duvet, cover regularly and clean it, that is. Okay, so Mosh, I, I'm dying to know what you got in terms of feedback. Are more people team top sheet or team no top sheet? So this is like unfolded into something I did not anticipate. Jill. I like, so I like what I'm you going. did there. Unfolded. <laughs> 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 worked. It worked. So um, this is the deal. 
So initially, I put a vote out there. Who's on Team Top Sheet? Who's not on top, Team Top Sheet? As of the, our recording on Wednesday night, more Top Sheeters than non-Top Sheeters. And that's interesting given the average age of my Instagram audience is in their mid-30s. It's a millennial audience, right? With some Gen Xers. So that's interesting given how the Wall Street Journal said that millennials and, and Gen Zers are non-Top Sheet. Then people are like, what do you mean? Like my me and my husband are uh, have separate feelings about this. So we have separate sheets. And then some people are like, separate sheets? What about separate beds? Me and my husband sleep in separate beds. Then some people are like, we sleep in separate bedrooms. It is the only way to keep our marriage going. (laughs) Mosh, that is amazing. I will tell you, my husband does loathes a top sheet. Mm. I like a top sheet. uh, But being the selfless person that I am, I have decided to take one for the team and we do not use a top sheet. Every once in a while, <laughs> we'll put it. I'll put a top sheet back on, and uh-huh. my husband will be like, "What's going on? Haven't we agreed? Like, we never actually discussed <laughs> it." But he'll be like, "I don't understand. Like, didn't we agree that there's just going to be no top sheet?" So uh, I will say it's it is cleaner to not have that top sheet at the at the bottom of the bed. Totally. I mean, the top sheet is so annoying. Now, I love a top sheet. It like especially when it's like a newly made bed. The top sheet is there, like that hotel style top sheet. That is excellent. It does often get to the bottom of your feet. Now, one solution some people gave is like each them and their partner each sleep with separate twin size sheets, <laughs> um, and then because or like someone sleeps with a twin size sheet and then the other person doesn't have a sheet at all. It was fascinating. I learned a lot about people. Then some people were telling me their stories about they bring their own sheets to hotels because they've watched too many 2020 pieces on like the bodily fluids and hotel sheets. Listen, I think there's a whole separate podcast to be done on just sheets alone. And then someone accused me of doing business for the sheet industry, which by the way, we don't have a sheet sponsor right now, but we're happy to take one if anyone's listening. Um, <laughs> like they're like, is Casper, this a debate? Exactly. Somebody, yeah. someone should want to sponsor this. Is is this a debate that the sheet industry inserted into the Wall Street Journal in order to sell more sheets? Because guess what? When each you and your partner each have a twin size sheet, they've sold double the sheets. So who knows? But I might have more for this on tomorrow's podcast, depending on how the comments go. Okay, and in another story lighting up the internet, this one from the New York Post, Adele reveals the correct way to pronounce her name. Apparently, we have all been mispronouncing Adele's name for years, for years. So she was doing a QA and a to celebrate the release of her I Drink Wine music video last week, and she praised a fan who's based in London for pronouncing her name properly while asking a question. Let's take a listen. Hi, Adele, I'm Annie, and I'm from London. My question is, on your journey to self-love while writing 30, did your perspective on how you saw yourself when you wrote 25 change at all and how? Cheers, babes. Love ya. Where's she from? Enfield or something? Love that. She said my name perfectly. She came and asked me how I say my name and I was like, Adele. How was mine? She was like, Adele. 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 So apparently the correct way to say Adele's name is Adele? What am I missing? (laughs) No, I I had to, like, we just played it again. I've played it like six or seven times because I was like, wait, it's Adele? But then some people are like, it's a a with a W. (laughs) Anyway, either way, apparently it's not Adele. Adele, like Uh. Adele computer. Uh, It is somewhere Adele-esque. And I guess only if you come from this part of uh, the UK do you actually understand. But by the way, like, 
the the way this has lit up the internet, Jill, that like we've all been getting her name wrong and she didn't bother to tell us for years. Well, that's the whole thing. It's like, why, what, where have you been? Why didn't you do this whole time? You could have just told us. I think it just feels like that's her accent. And, and she says it. And look, hmm. everybody has a right to pronounce their name the way that they want it to be pronounced. I just sure. wish we all knew. I, I wish we knew, um, you know, Adele, Adele, I'm so glad to now know that her name's Adele. And by the way, this brings me to my, one of my favorite, but lesser used fun political facts, Dick Cheney, the famous, uh, vice president of the United States actually was born Dick Cheney, Cheney was the pronunciation of their name. But when he got to Washington, everyone kept mispronouncing it Cheney. So he just accepted Cheney at some point, but officially it's Cheney. I actually know a few people who have changed their the way that they pronounce either their last name or their first name. And it's always surprising to me because there are a lot of people that I knew growing up and I always pronounced their name one way. And then I met, you know, I, our paths crossed again as adults and I would find out that they were pronouncing their name totally different. You, Mosh, though, have such, you know, your name we've talked about is not the easiest name to pronounce. So I feel like this <laughs> resonates with you. Like on multiple levels. Jill, between my first name and my last name, I have eight vowels. So just FYI, right? <laughs> um, it's like my last name alone has six vowels in it. So I'm officially Moshe Wanunu. But if you knew me before 18, I was Moshe Wanunu. My mom wanted to call me Moshe. So high school and friends from growing up, I'm Moshe. I then like was like, it's just easier as Moshe in college. I became Moshe. And at some point, people were having such trouble. I was like, I'll go with Moshe. And then we're at Mo News now. We just took it down to Mo. So. <laughs> By the end, and the funniest when we do when we write notes to each other, I just do M O because it's like it's either Mo or your initials. So you'll figure it out that I'm referring to you. Um, so yeah, by the end of this, you're just going to be M. 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 <laughs> like uh, who was who the the in James Bond? She was Q, right? Uh, the woman he reported to. Q. I don't know. I, I nonstop quote movies, but I, I really don't know James Bond at all. We missed you, by the way, on Tuesday when I had to do the, the nose picker uh, story, the study about how nose picking leads <laughs> to dementia. And I was like, oh, I actually got a note, Jill, that I totally missed the Seinfeld reference when I did that story. Yes, Moshe, that's a great Seinfeld reference. It's not a pick, it's a scratch. And I, I still remember that episode where Jerry uh, was dating somebody who was in the car next to them. And he looked, she looked over and it, it looked like he was picking his nose. A fascinating story though. It was one of the ones I messaged you about being like, I wish we did that in the podcast that we were doing because I'd love to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, as you transition back, you're with us like three days a week right now, Jill. Yes. I can't wait to have you five days a week. By the way, my favorite line from that episode, George says to Jerry as he's talking about nose picking that he believes that Moses was a picker. He's like, all that dry, <laughs> all that dry air in the desert for 40 years, like Moses is definitely a picker. Um, and on that, wise words from George Costanza. That is a wrap yes. for this podcast. So many things to talk about, so many very um interesting debates so big thanks to everybody for listening to our mo news podcast today make sure you follow us subscribe that way you don't miss an episode absolutely also please give us a review if you're liking what you're listening to uh, on whatever app you're listening to us on the reviews actually help the uh, podcast grow move up the charts etc you can also get mo news directly to your inbox next edition comes out tomorrow you can sign up over at monews.bulletin.com you can follow me of course on instagram where you should let me know you there might only be a handful of people left who have not let me know about their uh top sheet preferences but if you haven't you can dm me over there at moshe 
M-O-S-H-E-H. I also do real news sometimes too. <laughs> Jill, we'll see everyone back here tomorrow. All right, bye everyone.